Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Row 7 Podcast, Episode 4. Uh, before we get into today's topic, um, just to announce a couple quick things, a couple uh, things that I'm kind of proud of. Uh, just wanted to give you all a heads up that I am now on Spotify, the Row 7 Podcast. You can now listen to on Spotify. So definitely check that out. Uh, secondly, appreciate the support to uh, all those who have reached out and said, you know, keep going with that podcast. That's uh, definitely my intention. So um, here's to it. Here's to many, 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 many more. Um, but with that being said, jumping into episode four here, I brought my special guest back, my brother, Chris, and uh, we're going to jump into it. So uh, Chris, let's, let's take it away. Let's run it. All righty, everybody. So today... We wanted to briefly discuss a little bit about the MLB, the status of the MLB, the future of the 2020 season, what is going to come of it. For those of us who are season ticket holders, we're hurting right now. We're desperate for baseball. When is it going to come back? Yeah, definitely. Um, just just with that being said, I know there's a, a bunch of chatter uh, that baseball seems to be coming to a head and that uh, the talks are building and that we will have baseball in July. Uh, I know in my, my launch episode, I kind of I was on the fence and I was leaning towards the idea of baseball probably not happening this season, but uh, it's looking a little more likely that there will be some type of baseball. Obviously, uh, the direction that we're going in, no fans. Um, what they're looking at is 82 games starting the right around the 4th of July weekend. Uh, I'm, I'm all for it now, I guess. You know, if, if, it, if they're able to pull it off and, um, and get some baseball in for the season to kind of give us some taste of what summer is like, aside from the food and the grilling and all that other good stuff, it would definitely be a, a breath of fresh air to see a little bit of sports back and I know we were lucky enough to kind of get a, a little bit of the UFC this past weekend. So it was kind of good to see some type of sport uh, taking place. But uh, 82 games of baseball, Chris, uh, I know you're on board, right? Absolutely. My, uh, my season ticket's been sitting in limbo for a little too long. And, in fact, my seat by now is well frozen over. So I'm uh, eager to get my butt into a uh, – into the stadium, that's for sure. I mean, I know there's definitely a lot of rumors going back and forth about what will happen, how will the MLB address the pan ongoing pandemic. But uh, I think one underlying issue that everybody kind of has overlooked is, you know, player safety. And, yeah, these guys, they get paid very well. However, at the end of the day, they're people with families and, you know, young ones around them just like us. So it's kind of interesting to think, you know, obviously everybody has the oh, shut up and play attitude. But, uh, you know, all of us in our individual lives, we, we are all taking precautions and whatnot. So why, why, why shouldn't the MLB Players Union be sticking up for their players? And that's not to say that they aren't, but uh, here would be a pretty good time for them to take a stand and, you know, really say we want to bring baseball back, but it's got to be on our terms. And that's safe, safe, safety is the primary concern. No, I, I definitely understand. And I'm, I'm 
I stand firm with that as well, too. Uh, we in our daily lives, like you mentioned, want to stay safe, are doing everything possible to to, you know, head in that direction. And you got to you got to think of these guys livelihoods. Yes, I know that they make millions and millions of dollars. And granted, yes, you can tell them to just play. But when you think of the logistics of it uh, in terms of them putting their themselves on the line, um, it's it's a little dangerous out there. And I know. I know the, 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 the steadfast point that many people will make is, is the money. You know, you make too much money. You make too much money. Just go out there. Um, yeah, I, I get it. They, they do make quite a bit of money, but obviously they've, they've rightfully earned it. And you, you got you to gotta kind of put uh, the health versus profit thing aside and really say that if, if we're going to do this, this needs to be done right. And you need to make sure that temperatures are taken, uh, that if anybody kind of feels anything, you, you, you quarantine them because you, you run into the point, and this is what I brought up in my original launch episode, that if one guy goes down, one coach goes down, anybody from player personnel goes down, that's it. It's a wrap. I, I don't see how you can continue on, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's kind of interesting to think, you know, the MLB, while they and all these organizations have certainly lost revenue by not playing 50 games, 40-something games, whatever the, the, the number exactly may be. But I think ultimately when it comes down to it, you think if baseball does return and say hypothetically they don't allow fans, think how much, uh, how much revenue they could potentially make off of pure advertising. I mean, I know for a fact myself and the few diehard fanatics I know around me we would give anything to watch a game live, even if there's not a soul in the stadium. Just the idea of the the advertising and the amount of revenue they could make off those advertisements would be huge because you know for a fact people are going to watch those games no matter what. They, it, they're just so eager to have sports back that they'll take it however they can. I mean, for goodness sakes, you can think of, I think it was in South Korea or something like that, season ticket holders were allowed to send in like uh, cardboard cutouts of themselves to stick in the, in the bleachers just to make it, make the ambiance seem as if there was fans and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is, that's the reality that we live in right now. There's, there's no other way around it. I, I am a proponent of that as well too. I would like to have some sort of normality with us again. And if, if baseball, it does bring that, that peace of mind to know that day in and day out, you know, we're working and stuff like that. But if we can go home at night and, you know, have a, have a nice dinner and, you know, enjoy a baseball game, fans or not, you know, I'm here for it. Um, but going into a little bit of the, um, uh, the plan for MLB, they're, they're looking at having the DH in both leagues, which I've always been kind of a fan of the DH. Uh, I know it's only in the American league now, the plan hopefully in the future after uh, after this season, if it ever does take place, that they just bring the DH to both leagues. Um, I, I would probably would say, Chris, you're, you're going to stand with that as well too. Uh, I know that there's, I've always considered myself a baseball purist, but you, you want to let the game evolve a little bit uh, and not really put the, the pitcher at risk in the national league to have him, you know, go up there two, three, four times and, and try to hack away at a baseball and you know you could potentially risk a significant injury so for sure for sure and I think at the end of the day no matter how appealing it is to watch 
the likes of Bartolo Colon clobber a ball 400-plus feet. It's certainly entertaining, but the odds of that happening for a pitcher are just so slim. And to, to further that point, it's like, you know, when you pay money to go see a game, you don't exactly want to go see somebody go up there and not make a fool of themselves, but damn near pretty much because the pitcher, as opposed to the DH in the American League, we're talking a guy that's going to hit maybe 300, but like 30, 40 bombs a year. And in the National League, you know, your pitcher, he's going to come up and bat maybe 100 on the year. If he puts up 10 RBIs on the year, it's, it's, he had a phenomenal year at the plate. Yeah, I mean, that it's just those are just the facts behind it. For sure. Uh, I yeah, I'm I'm a I would love to see Bartolo get back in the league and, you know, hack away at the plate, but uh I'm much more of a proponent to kind of see Mike Trout, uh Juan Soto, you know, those guys out there go out there and just kind of send them to the moon. 450 foot bombs. That's that's kind of what what fans want to see. Not not, you know, your one-off pitcher crank when 330 feet granted that's not to diminish the fact that they hit a home run but i'm out there i'm out there to see the kind of the the stars you know shine and and, and take that because the, the pitchers are doing their own work whether they're throwing no hitters perfect games you know striking out 10 15 20 in a game that's that's where they you know where they shine so absolutely uh, the, the dh for both leagues yeah let's let's do it let's let's move forward with it because uh, it sounds like a, a quality plan yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, definitely. Moving forward on that a little bit, Thursday talk to expand the playoffs to fourteen teams, which, when you really think about it, you're you're really giving a lot of teams out there a chance to get into the playoffs. You know, uh, normally I I don't re- exactly remember the number, but I want to say it's between what is it eight to ten teams that make uh, the playoffs on both sides. I want to say. I could very well be wrong. Uh, I don't. I don't typically ever do the the, the statistics of the, the the playoff brackets, but uh, you know, you're 82 games, and you you let's just say you take a you know you take a die for 10 straight games. Those 82 games can really, really take a toll on your on your playoff chances. But if you give 14 teams a chance, you're giving that team who who maybe has a a slow start or a you know, muddle in the middle of the season or has a terrible ending to their season, have a chance to, you know, see some playoffs, right? I mean. Yeah, definitely. I think this is a a huge possibility for the MLB to open a lot of doors for itself. You know, not just being with the DH moving over to the uh, National League, but so too with including more teams in the playoffs, you know. As we all know as baseball peers, the one thing that matters most or the most entertaining thing that matters is October baseball. Nothing gets your skin crawling more than October baseball. That's a fact. Now, if you think there's 14 teams in there, yes, there is certainly a lot more baseball, but the counterpoint that, you know, you think baseball as it is already moves into like the colder parts of the year. So if you include 14 teams in the playoffs, you kind of have to think there has to be some kind of restructuring so that, players are not playing well into November because as it stands, we already creep very close to November with just the standard format as it is. So I don't really know how the MLB plans to address that. But like I said, I think this is a huge possibility for them to to maybe down the road, you know, limit it to maybe less than 14 teams, but still kind of keep the same uh, playoff structure as it stands currently. 
you know, just to give people more baseball is really all we want. That's all we care about. Exactly. And I think this 14 teams in the playoffs is just a one-off. That's going to just be for this year. Granted that next year we go into the 2021 season with the full, you know, a full 162 games. Um, so, so this is just a one-off. And then the 14 teams, to my understanding from what I've read on it, that the top teams from each league uh, will get buys essentially similar to like what they do in football. So it's, it kind of gives the teams who, who muddle a little bit, who maybe got, you know, snuck into the playoffs, you know, really have to kind of fight for their right to, to go up against your, your Yankees, your Dodgers, your Cardinals, Cubs, whoever it may be, you know? For sure. So. It, it, just, it just very much so gives me like NBA playoff vibes. Like, you know, the idea of a one seed playing an eight seed, it's like those series are typically pretty well, uh, estimated in that we kind of expect an outcome to happen but it's in those series that sometimes we see the biggest upsets and the biggest stars develop and really I mean it's just another platform for the MLB to uh let their stars shine you know I know for a fact I'd love to see Mike Trout more on TV than just what he is at nine at night here central time for us you know put that guy on main t on national TV as many times a week as we can and I guarantee you, you're going to draw in more fans. It's just, it's a natural occurrence. And that's, that's really what needs to happen with baseball. I think baseball is, is popularity is still there, but it's, it's kind of, it's, it's definitely straggling behind the likes of the NBA, the likes of NFL, because of, you know, those in the NBA, you know, you got your, you know, whoever might be the Lakers and I don't know whoever's at the end, the, the Oklahoma City Thunder. And let's just say that OKC pulls it out and they upset the Lakers. You know, how would that look? I mean, obviously that's going to put ratings through the roof because the Lakers get knocked out of the playoffs. And this is just a hypothetical, not to say that that's going to happen. Uh, you know, we're not really exactly sure what's going to happen with the NBA, but it's just a, you know, a telltale sign to say, if you had an upset like that, a one versus an eight, it's, it's going to, it's going to, be all over TV, all over the radio, all over your podcast. So it's, it's something that people will chatter about. Absolutely. Um, no such thing as bad PR when it comes to baseball in, in this regard. Cause you know, you just more people that you can get talking about the game, the more people you can get talking about some highlight, a no hitter, some crazy walk off people live for that. Okay. We love to see the huge bat flips. We love to see those those clutch ninth inning, eighth inning saves, setup man come in. So this just gives the MLB more of an opportunity to uh, to to reveal themselves as a as a truly dominant sport, in my opinion. You know, put themselves up there with football on that grand scheme scale. You know. Yeah, no, I'm I'm here for it. I definitely support it. I'm looking forward to kind of see kind of ultimately what transpires with it but the but the next hot button topic with it is that there's a lot of kind of talk behind the idea of uh teams not necessarily having to play in uh arizona like where they do in spring training or in florida but they're talking about expanding that to teams potentially being able to play in their home cities so you know you got your la teams playing in la you got your new york teams playing in new york you got your florida teams playing in florida uh but the 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 main issue behind it is you have to factor in travel. So not everybody can play a home game at the same time. Uh, The logistics of putting guys on flights, traveling from the Pacific North uh, West, like Seattle to, you know, the, 
Atlantic side and you got to play, let's just say Seattle against the Yankees. That's a long flight for guys to kind of have to go through. They play, you know, maybe they're, they're coming off of a long homestand and having to go on a long road trip. Um, you're putting guys at risk here. I, I mean, that's it. It's, yeah. it's not an unknown topic. It's something that's, that's going to happen. And we hate to see it, but there's a chance that somebody in that, in that travel could get sick because you think of the logistics of the flight, the, the commute back and forth on a bus to the back and forth to the hotel. And then you think staying in the hotel, what do you, what are they going to do in the hotel with the hotel situation? Uh, you, are you going to block off an entire floor or multiple floors or the entire hotel? What, how does that, how does that play out? Right. I, I'm really glad you brought that up, Alex, because I think one of the biggest challenges to MLB's plan, whether they end up playing strictly at home or they end up doing like a geographical division thing, like they had mentioned in the past, one of the biggest challenges they'll face is the, the logistics of putting this in play, you know, for all these teams to have, Players traveling, flying on buses, whatever it may be, they got to get to a hotel. They have to be able to work out somewhere. They have to be able to eat somewhere. There's just so many variables that play into this that it's really hard to determine, you know, where exactly that line is in terms of player safety, you know. I, I can imagine if you're an MLB player, part of the players' union, the first thing you're thinking of is, man, I don't want to put my family's lives at risk because I got to go play baseball, you know. It's, it's imperative that the MLB and the players' union and the ownership of all these teams take into consideration these kind of factors because you're really putting lives at risk. Granted, at, at most, a lot of these players spend a lot of time with each other, so it would be like a herd immunity within the team. But that's just the thing. When you're traveling from place to place, you know, the environment changes and what you're exposed to has changed. And like I said, you, you don't, the last thing you want is people getting sick. It's yeah. Just, and, that, and that's kind of what I've been, I've read about with, uh, with some players, some players have af- actively spoken out against it and they're, they're not proponents to potentially playing and they're not potential. They're not proponents to taking pay cuts this season. Uh, the one who stands out, who has been in the news as of late is uh, Blake Snell from the Tampa Bay Rays, who, refuses to take a pay cut in and I could understand where he's coming from. And some might say that that sounds selfish of him, but you're, you're talking about his life and his family's life. I mean, what happens if let's just say him, for example, were to, were to come down with, with COVID-19, he can't, he can't be around his family. Where, where are you going to put him? Is he going to stay behind in the city? If uh, Tampa Bay has to leave whatever city that they're in and then he's got to stay there for 14 days at a minimum, it's, it's kind of drawing on that line of what I brought up earlier, the health versus profit. I know these owners out there want to make money and they want to put uh, their teams on, on TV again and they want to get ratings, but that the fact that you have players out here who probably may, might, some might not have spoken out about it, but there's probably a handful out there who are against this season. And I mean, could you blame them? Chris? No. I mean, like, I, like going off what you're saying, sure, we've got players who are, are, are refusing to take a pay cut, but so too do you have players on both sides of the spectrum. There's players who are very eager to get back, and I don't think that the virus or being ill, getting sick is you know, much of a reality to them or, or seen to be as an issue to them. 
Whereas on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have people like Blake Snow who are speaking up for themselves, who are concerned about their future because they don't want to put themselves in jeopardy. Say, for example, a guy like Blake Snell, a Cy Young winning pitcher goes out there, he gets sick, it puts him in a hospital, it could change his career forever. It could inhibit his ability to play baseball down the road. And what's the MLB going to do to, to, uh, to re- you know, properly retribution him? You know, it's like, he doesn't deserve to put his li- he doesn't deserve to put his life on the line out there for the whole world's viewing and not be properly compensated. I I I totally see where he's coming from there. I'm sure there's probably going to be a lot of people who are very um, opinionated and call him selfish, but it's it's his own life and he's he gets to make those decisions. I mean, um, uh, you're right. Aside from that, aside from the fact that he's a baseball player, he's a he's a father. He's a could be a brother, you know, he's a son to somebody and that he's a life. It's, it's not, you're just not, you can't throw these guys out there. They're not animals. They're human beings who, yes, right, rightfully so make boatloads of money, but the human factor has to, has to definitely weigh in on this. And um, just to kind of wrap this up right here, I want, I want to touch on this point right here because this is something that really resonated with me. A uh, now retired MLB player, Mark Teixeira, uh, Texas Rangers, New York Yankees, uh, said he would rather make a penny on the dollar to play baseball than lose an entire season. Now, I understand where he's coming from, but he's not playing right now, and he's not dealing with this pandemic. He's able to be at home with his family. And I understand where he's coming from because his love for baseball is there. And I, I get it. Your desire and your passion to do what you love stands leaps and bounds above everything else. But you have to you really have to realize the fact that these guys are human beings and regardless of the dollar factor in there, it's somebody's life. You don't want to put somebody's life at risk just, just for somebody's entertainment and enjoyment, you know? So um, Chris, I don't know if you have anything to touch on that, but that's kind of where I stand with it. Um, yeah. I, I respect Mark to as a player, but obviously he's, he's now since retired and is not dealing with this. So, he, he makes a fair point in showing that he's passionate about the game, but you, you got to think about the guys who are on active rosters right now. I, I completely agree, Alex. I, I think it's very easy for somebody like the likes of Mark Teixeira from the outside looking in to say, forget the money, I'd rather play baseball, you know. And I see the argument behind it. You want to keep up your physicality. You want to stay in that tip-top shape because, as we know with any sport – it, the, the, the window of opportunity is very, very narrow. And especially in baseball where, you know, it's a dog-eat-dog world. But to me, it's just like, Mark, you're way off, buddy. Like, you're way off. You can sit inside your bubble behind your glass walls and expose yourself to nothing. Whereas these guys have to put not only their lives on the line, but their, that of their families. It's like, you can't, you can't sit here and tell me, I should go out here and do something because I make good money, but then criticize me because I want to take care of my family or protect my family. It's very, uh, very uh, troubling for me to find that art to, to see the logic in that argument there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that's up in the air and I guess we'll really have to see how this plays out. If there's any more kind of updates or more developments with the MLB season, in kind of limbo. Uh, Obviously there's the possibility that it might happen sometime in July. 
mark your calendars if that if that actually happens. Uh, but I definitely will be on top of all these MLB news because it's my personal passion, my favorite sport. But I, I just want to see some sense of normality. And it could be baseball, it could be basketball, it could be hockey. It, we could it not, might not be till the fall time and we get football, but but just something. But but I I full well understand the uh, the logic behind uh, health before profit. So I I know myself would I would not want to put myself at risk. So I I can fully understand if if this season ended up being a wash, I can't be mad at any of these guys. You know, uh, definitely. But but just jumping forward, and we're going to just dabble in this just 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 a tad bit. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna look back at these uh, these last couple episodes that aired this past Sunday of, uh, of the Last Dance, and uh, there definitely will be uh, the plans to to recap the final two episodes because uh, I'm 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 banking on this uh, episode nine and ten of the Last Dance this upcoming weekend uh, to be just nothing but pure money. So. Um, just just a couple notes of of something that I, I took away from this episode uh, or these two episodes and one that really stood out to me was uh, don't don't talk smack to Michael, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like ab- ab- abundantly obvious. Like how many guys did we see try and challenge him throughout the course of his career? And what did MJ do? He f- he dog washed him, okay? He took him to the car wash, gave him a spit shine, and he left him out in the parking lot. And he said, I'll come back when I'm ready for you, okay? Exactly. I mean, and that's just a testament, I think, to his mental toughness and his ability and desire to want to win. But I also think that's part of the reason why he walked away that year and played baseball because he felt like he had beat all the challenges that were put in front of him. And until he realized that he missed that one season, uh, Ultimately, the Bulls didn't win the championship that 94-95 year. And he, feel, he felt like, you know what, guess what? I got to climb the hill again, and I'm going to take these boys to the top. And, and sure enough, it's in the history books. We know what happened. Yeah. You know? But uh, it, it's just ridiculous to kind of see that, that grit that he had to just want to destroy anybody who, who would grin at him, who would talk smack to him, who would talk to the tabloids, the newspapers, just like he looked, he looked for any bit of advantage that he could possibly take. And granted, he didn't really need that because his athletic ability was through the moon, but just that to kind of put him over the edge was, it it speaks about him, you know? For sure. And I think being of his caliber player after a certain amount of time in the league and you're just straight dubbing people, you kind of build, a bit of an arrogance to you. And it's not to say that it's a bad thing because arrogance and confidence are, are, it's it's a very fine line in between the two of those. But after a while, it's almost a good thing to be a little arrogant because you need to remind people, listen, I'm at the top of this game for a reason. And like you said, Alex, he, he peaked so, so quickly or so easily. He thought I'm going to go try something else and try and master that. And then the time that, that he tried baseball, I feel like it was a, a bit of a revelation for him. It was like, you know what? That's what I want. I want to go do it again. I want to go prove to everybody that it doesn't matter how much, how long I walk away for. It doesn't matter if I want to go knit for a few months. I'm going to come back and I'm going to dominate this game at an elite level. And there's not a soul in the, on the court who can cross me and tell me otherwise. Yeah, I mean, his 
the press release that the Bulls put out to say Michael was coming back, it was two words, I'm back. And that in itself was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm ready to dominate again. And there's nobody who is going to stop me from doing it. Uh, the, the, the desire behind that and his, his passion, well, it's, it's ridiculous. I, I don't even know. I can't even put it into words. But there, there's very few people out there who are like that. And I'm, I'm sure in, in terms of personal jobs, there probably are. But in terms of somebody on the court who can dominate with ease, it, there's, there's no other way to explain it. It's just poetry, motion, and there's highlights all over the internet in books. You, you can read about it, whatever you need to get from it, but it's, it's, it's history. It's written. Absolutely. I just going off that, that argument of like how MJ was just at the peak of his game. You know, he took some time away from the game to come back to just come back and do it all over again. Well, the only person who I can remotely compare to this is gotta be Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods was the upper echelon of golf. Yeah. We all know he had an ugly falling off, but look at what he did. He came back after back surgeries and took over golf again years later. It's like to have that kind of willpower, to have that kind of determination to dedicate yourself to your craft is next level. And that's why that Hall of Fame that Michael Jordan exists in, so few players can say that they belong in that same group as him because it's just a next level of, of pure savageness. That's the only, only way I can describe it. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, just bouncing off that, the fact that even in practice, how he, how he kind of talked and treated his teammates, he, he essentially belittled them, but, but that was just the way he led it. And there's people who, out there who lead that way and who are successful in that. But the, the way he kind of just talked to his players on his team, and obviously they had to go out that, same, that next night or that night and play alongside him, even though they could probably be a little pissed with him. It, it's it's kind of hilarious to, to see that. It, it it really is because if you think about it, it's like, man, like this guy pushing everybody's buttons. But the opposite side of that token, it's like you almost need somebody who will light a fire under your ass sometimes who will really push you to that next level. And, yeah, it's funny. Before this documentary came out, MJ was afraid that people would hate him or look at him in a negative connotation because of all this. And it's like, sure, that may be the case for some people, but for me, it's the exact opposite. It's I respect you even more to go out there, have the stones to go out there and challenge everybody on your team, everybody around you, even upper management, just the way he talked to Jerry Krause. It's like, look at you need me more than I need you. And Jerry Cross recognized that. All of his teammates recognized that. And it's like after a certain point, you just kind of look at this guy and you say, you know what? I got to eat whatever he says to me. He knows what's he's, best. He's right. He's he, right. Knows. he knows what's best for me. I need to just shut my mouth and do whatever he says and we're going to win. That's yeah. That's I, mean, I, I, could, I could only imagine that some of his teammates, and obviously they're, they're, they're not – talking about all those arguments and, and fights that they punch it potentially had in, uh, you know, in their practices. But 
to know that you could be wholeheartedly pissed at somebody for just chewing you out on the practice court and that later that night you got to go out there and get that team the W. It, it, it's, it stands as the way his leadership was, sec, second to none. Um, but, but lastly, the, the, just, I want to just leave you with this, and it's kind of something that I was thinking about, and I'm sure it's crossed people's mind. It's probably been talked about before. But my, my last point is how different would it have been if Michael continued with, bas- or with baseball and he never, never came back to the Bulls? How, where, where would his career have ended? Obviously, he, he left on top. You know, he, he won the three chips with the Bulls. But how, how great would his MLB career have been if he would have made it to the big leagues? I think that's a, a very good question because just applying the same savagery that MJ had men- mentally, you can only imagine that at some point in time, he would have figured out baseball to an extent. Not to say that he's going to become the next Barry Bonds of his era, but just just by his dedication to his craft, whatever that may be, whether it's knitting or slamming dunks, okay, it doesn't it didn't matter for MJ. And I to this to this day, I think it still doesn't. I think if MJ wanted to to to, to put himself out there in the limelight again, I think he totally could, and I think he would dominate whatever it is. Yeah, there's but, a solid, there's a solid possibility that he could he probably could. But to to his to his credit, and I understand why he he's done what he's done. But you kind of think like MJ post basketball or outside of basketball, you don't really hear his name too much. You don't really see him in the camera in the limelight too much. You don't hear about him too much in the news. And why 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 would that be? From my perspective, you spend your whole Year, decades of your life with a camera in your face, cameras everywhere you go. You don't have a moment of privacy. And 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 then you walk away from the game and it's like, man, all, all I want is time to be myself, time to do whatever I want, you know, without time, the to, whole time to golf. Yeah. Time to golf just on my own or yeah. my close buddies, whatever it may be. But yeah, let me throw a hundred grand on these holes and let's go get it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or hit the casino throw down, you know, a million dollars and, and see what happens. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, I would have loved to go to the casino with that guy. I would love, I would actually really like to know if MJ is a table guy or if he's a slots guy, I need what? to know. No, that's Somebody a good question. Find out for me. That's a good question. And myself being the, the face of row seven podcast, I'm going to reach out and see if I can get any type of response from, uh, from MJ or if somebody from the MJ team and see exactly where he stands. And I'll, and I'll provide you that response when I get it, okay? Heck yeah, heck yeah. I'll be looking forward to that. If, I, if I'm a gambling man, just like MJ, we share some commonalities. I bet that uh, he's definitely a table guy for sure. And if I had to pick a table, he's sitting at the blackjack table for yeah. sure. He, he's doing blackjack. I mean, I, my, my guess would be if I was a betting man, and I'm not really a betting man, I'm not like you, Chris, uh, I would say he's a, he's a table guy. But uh, – but, but that's neither here nor there for now. Uh, but with that being said, we're going to uh, close it down for this uh, fourth episode of the Row 7 podcast. Uh, definitely be on the lookout for more. Uh, Chris, I want to thank you for your time tonight. Um, we look forward to potentially going live again next week 
with uh, with episode five. We're gonna keep cranking these out until you know we can't crank no more. So, uh, you know, w- with that being said, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, be sure to uh, shoot me some topics of discussion at row seven podcast at gmail.com. Um, looking forward to it. Uh, but for the time being, we are out. Thank you.